Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 15th of August 2010, entitled Review of Camp. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Alright, well we're going to, because we've got some of the young people that are going to share their testimonies with you tonight. And uh, I'm just going to give you a few snapshots here of the uh, camp this past week so that you can know exactly uh, what was uh, what was going on and get just a smidgen of an idea of the, uh, the ministries that uh, were taking place there. And uh, whoops, of course, this year's camp was, uh, was quite different for, uh, for all of us because I guess the last couple of years since that uh, or some of you met Brother Dan Brown when he was here at the church one Sunday evening with uh, Ian and Marie Hutchings. And he shared a bit about the lift ministries that they're involved in, basically where they, they raise funds from churches all around to be able to bring kids into these camps that wouldn't be able to afford it, unchurched kids to bring them in under the sound of the gospel and whatnot. And, uh, of course, in the past years, those had all been at, at, at separate times, and this was the first year that we tried bringing it together uh, at, uh, at one time, and uh, we learned some things. There's some things that we'll want to uh, change, some things we'll want to do different, uh, but all in all, you know, the Lord really did uh, work and, uh, uh, and move in, in the hearts of many of them. And, uh, and, of course, we had very, very full schedules while that... Uh, uh, while that we were were there, there wasn't uh, uh, a whole lot of, uh, of downtime whatsoever. Uh, the days started with uh, uh, with of course the the counselors and their leaders met at seven thirty for a time of devotion and, and prayer amongst themselves, and then uh, uh, the uh, youngsters all rendezvoused with us at eight o'clock for uh, for breakfast. And uh, following breakfast, we would all meet in the auditorium, which you'll get a. A picture of here in, in a moment, and uh, and of course there was there was actually uh, two sessions in the auditorium. Uh, we had a uh, a session which was just a fun session, uh, which you know, I, I think we've got a few shots on here that uh, when they were playing games, uh, we were all split up into teams, and uh, your pastor became the world famous Iron Man, and. Uh, uh, they had Spider-Man and Superman and Iron Man and uh, the Hulk. And, uh, and, of course, that was just uh, uh, the four different teams. And just like even with the youngsters and Holiday Bible Club, all week the different teams worked for, uh, uh, for their points and whatnot. So there was a fun time for that. And then there was a time of, of, of ministry. And then there was what uh, we call God and I time, which is a glimpse of what you get here, which is when each of us as church, churches broke into uh, uh, our own times together all around the uh, uh, the building inside and out and there were just lots of small groups with uh, uh, with each church uh, joining in uh, with uh, uh, with those from their from their own church you might recognize a few of those right there and uh, uh, we claimed an inside corner the first day uh, but we didn't meet there again because we found out that uh, of course the next se- session the uh, uh, the time of ministry that uh, that followed this, uh, the musicians were all down warming up and practicing up, and we were just outside it. And so uh, when they started uh, warming up and getting their instruments all tuned up and everything, we kind of got grounded out a bit. But uh, 
But basically, I think that uh, certainly uh, uh, myself and and uh, and Jane and and the young people, we we enjoyed that time together in the mornings. And uh, what we're going to uh, look at it just a little bit this evening. I said that uh, uh, I didn't plan on actually uh, preaching a sermon as such this evening, but giving you a synopsis or a snapshot, if you would, of uh, the uh, the things that we looked at during during the week of being made wonderfully. Um, and of course, as we uh, look at some of those things tonight, just to give you an idea of what we went through in the scriptures during that time. And of course, these are uh, all many of the uh, uh, the individual times that uh, uh, that followed after that quiet time. And uh, you'll see here in just a moment that uh, of course the facilities there are quite uh, uh, very good for for uh, for camp. Uh, there's uh, there's lots of room to spread out. You can kind of whoops, back up to that one. You kind of get an idea. That's just uh, like one half of the uh, auditorium area uh, when we had them uh, had them all in there. And uh, I'm not going to go through a lot of these shots because uh, there's a lot of just the uh, uh, the same shots with people singing and and uh, uh, the worship time. But then. Uh, Luke doesn't give you a few shots of the uh, uh, the afternoons were filled with the activities, and uh, you'll see the one where I spent my uh, my time. And of course, from uh, from one thirty in the afternoon after lunch until five thirty, uh, there were just lots of different uh, activities that uh, they could go to and that they could uh, could take part in, and. Uh, Go. You can see it's a beautiful, wide-open country there, and of course, uh, uh, in Midwells, we had beautiful weather all week. I think we had one little shower or something, but uh, uh, other than that, uh, we were really, really blessed. And uh, this was up on the hilltop where that uh, they had the uh, uh, the paintball guns going on and the archery and those things that uh, you didn't want to get too close. You can see them in their paintball outfits there. And uh, a lot of the youngsters really, uh, uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, the archery. Uh, the slip and slide. This is where your pastor got to spend most of his time. If you look real close, you can see me right up there on top of the hill. And, uh, and that's where I spent uh, my afternoons all week. Uh, soap and suds and water. And, uh, uh, and the kids just had a blast. It turned out to... Uh, uh, we ended up being the most popular on the whole site uh, because we did have a lot of sunshine and they didn't mind uh, getting wet. And we had, as you can see there, uh, uh, about as steep a hill as we probably would have wanted to put these kids on um, because even at, uh, even at this, when they, would, uh, when they would get to the bottom, we said that probably for the next six months, every time that it, uh, that it rains, they'll probably have a foam bath from all the... Uh, uh, the foam bath and soap that we put on this thing to slicken it up. Oh, did you recognize that lady there? Marie Hutchins. <laughs> Most of the grown-ups even come out to have a go just so the kids would uh, have a laugh. And, uh, of course, that's brother and sister, Downey's oldest daughter there. And uh, uh, so the, the, the grown-ups had, uh, had some time on it as well. But, uh, but again, the... Uh, 
the kids had a great time in the afternoons. They had a lot of different uh, choices that they could uh, be involved in. This was one of the leader's little daughters. And I think, uh, I think she was braver than any of them. Even the days when the sun went down and it got cold, she didn't want to get off that slip and slide. Uh, that's actually uh, Ian and Marie Hutchings' granddaughter, that, uh, the little one that we were looking at there. And uh, so we'll slip through these. The, uh, and, of course, there were a lot of other activities that uh, were going on at the uh, same time. Um, you'll see another interesting one coming up here in, uh, in, in just a moment. These were just uh, some of the activities that they were involved in uh, outdoors there. And uh, they liked anything that had anything to do with water. Uh, and uh, that seemed to be, uh, to be exciting for them. That, uh, we'll come to the end of those. I think that uh, I think that that's all there. There's, there's there's quite a lot, but I don't want to take all of our time this evening. I just wanted to give you an idea of the uh, the uh, the place that we were at, and uh, and a lot of the activities that uh, that were going on. Before we look into the scriptures and give you an idea of some of the things that we that we ministered concerning the week, I know that we've got. Uh, Three more of our teenagers that want to come and give you a word of testimony. And again, uh, I've asked them on the one hand to just share with you what camp has meant to them this week, what the Lord's done in their lives, and the uh, the commitments that they've made to the Lord that they feel like that uh, the Lord is dealing with them about. So uh, come on, fellas, and girls, and young ladies, and young men, I should say. <laughs> Dwayne set a trap for me during the week. He tried to pretend like it was an accident. See, in these caravans that we slept in, we had uh, we had three bedrooms, and there were two of them with, with double beds, but one of those bedrooms was actually made for children. And, of course, uh, since Dwayne and Scott were the younger, the two older lads that were staying in the caravan with us from down in, in Cardiff, they got the longer beds, and these guys got the short beds. And I was in the, in the end uh, bedroom by myself, of course, their, their door kind of opened, swung back out in front of mine as I came out. The first night we were there, and all the lights were out, and everything was dark, and uh, I'd woke up during the night and needed to, uh, to go out to, uh, to use the, uh, the loo, and uh, so I opened my bedroom door and walked right out in the dark, and bang, walked right into another door. Apparently, what had happened is uh, Dwayne had gone to sleep, curled up on that bed because it wasn't long enough for him to stretch out, and at some point during the night... He'd stretched his legs out, it kicked the door open, and it was standing open in front of mine. So, oh, I still think he did it intentionally, didn't you? Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, good evening, church. And, well, this is my first camp. I didn't know what to expect because I thought, like, from what I heard, I heard camp was muddy, very, uh so I didn't want to go because I'm a like to stay clean and nice. So, okay. When I got there, it looked very nice. Like until I got to the caravan, the beds are like, I'm like so tall. The beds are like here. So then, like when we got greeted, everyone like tried to like make us feel friendly at home. Like asked us our names, lots of times. Then I just like got into the vibe. So I thought like the whole week was meant to be like a week of fun. Then we got to like the services and there was a pastor called Pastor Ed Trinko and like one of the services was talking about purity and like he said 
that um, purity, we're meant to like, sex is something that's only meant to be done within marriage, which like outside of marriage, it's not. When, when it's in marriage, it's pure, your body's pure, clean, but it's not outside of marriage, your body's like dirty, you've done something wrong. So when I heard that message, it kind of touched me because like, as being a boy, there's kind of like, like pressures on boys more than like more so girls. So, like Pastor Urchin said that anyone, like when he was preaching, like something kind of touched me and he goes, at the end, put up, like, put up your hands and have a word with like one of the counsellors to say that if you want to keep pure until your marriage, and like I put up my hand because I kind of felt that in the Bible it says that, I don't know, I don't know quite where it says it, but that we should like keep pure until marriage. So I want to keep pure until I get my wife. I don't want to have like, sex outside of marriage and, that wouldn't please God. That's like against God's rules. So I would like obey God's laws. And apart from that, camp was like, what I heard from Megan and Scott was nothing compared to what camp was really like. Camp was very nice. There was lots of friendly people. Got to know a lot of people on the first day. And then left camp. Didn't wanna, I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay, but I had to leave. So I had to come back to church. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm not saying I didn't want to come back to church. Well, I wanted to come back and tell everyone what camp was like. So that's what I have to say. Thank you. Yeah, I won't do better than that. But... <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so, well, camp was definitely awesome. Um, before, I definitely didn't want to go. You know, I was just like, yeah, I'm not that excited. But after, I definitely don't regret going. I think it was like one of the best days of my life. Um, we've made so many friends, like the first day, and it was just really exciting. Um, it was great seeing a whole group of people like singing and praising God. And um, the amount of people who got saved and like dedicated them themselves to God was also really great. Um, you know, it was like a completely different atmosphere and I definitely felt much closer to God. Not only that, I also felt that um, camp enabled us, the teenagers, to bond more and become closer. And it was great spending time with Sister Jane and Pastor. Um, the preachings were things that um, we as teenagers could relate to, such as obviously purity and keeping away from certain temptations. Also that um, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made in God's eyes. Um, I was deeply affected by the sermons and I just pray that God will open my heart and help me to accept the plans that he has for me in the future. Um, coming back from camp, with God's help, I hope that I can get more invo involved with um, church activities, and I hope that I can be a better witness to others. Right. Um, well, there's a lot to say about camp, and obviously they've covered most of it. Um, but I think particularly in my life, I wanted to say that... Um, Living for God is the most important thing in the world to me. I do and will fall, but I know God will pick me up, like he always has. Um, like Maurice and all of these have said, that um, talking about purity was definitely very encouraging. And how many people got up and stood up and said that they wanted to stay pure until they were married, it was really encouraging because it's always been something important to me um, to stay pure until I was married. But there are so many people when you get to this age that just kind of throw those um, morals out of the window and they don't really care anymore. 
Um, and I think it's great that we can all encourage each other as well in this, that we all start. Um, but one particular place that God spoke to me was in, um, I really felt like God spoke to me, was pulling me towards um, starting to work with teenagers um, and starting up a teenage ministry in the church. Um, I know, obviously, I'm a teenager myself, so you might think, oh, well, you know, you're too young to work with the teenagers, but I can relate to them, you know, and um, I think that we all can. We can all work together to bring in more teenagers, um, and I would really love, you know, to start working, going into, you know, town and trying to bring them in, and you know, there's so many things you can do, organizing events where we can join with other churches and um, I think just it's so important to encourage each other at this stage because I think you either get closer to God or go away from God at this point in your life. Um, yeah, I know. I just mean, and um, uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I haven't actually stuck to anything I wrote down, so now I'm completely lost. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, if anyone wants to talk to me about what I've, you know, said, I'd love to, you know, talk to you guys. Um, it'd really mean a lot to have the blessing from the church, you know, um, and just to have the church's help as well, you know. I think it's such an important thing, and um, it's, it means a lot to, you know, it's, I don't think I ever really felt like God could use me, and now I feel... It's, I feel so insignificant to God, but the fact that he can use me in any way, you know, well, it astounds me, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. And um, I'm, it's incredible to feel like I'm actually pulled in a direction like I am at the moment. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to read a couple of uh, verses as well. One of them was um, James chapter 4, verse 7, which says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And also, something my dad will love, Romans. Uh, <laughs> Romans 8, verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to, to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And, um, yeah, we could all use your prayers for sure, because Satan is going to be really attacking us from now on, that we've all made commitments to God. Well, I'm proud of all of our young people, and it's, I've enjoyed spending the time with them this week and uh, being able to, uh, to get to know them better. And Dwayne learned a few new things. He learned what real snoring sounds like uh, when he slept in the same caravan with me. <laughs> I warned them the night before. The next morning, he got up and he says, you weren't kidding, were you? <laughs> It was, it, was, it was great because so many times, you know, I mean, I know that, thank God that we've got a church that enjoys fellowship and enjoys spending time with each other. But uh, I know with me so many times, you know, after the services, just pulling so many different directions and quick words here and there. And uh, so it was just great to have this, this time with these teenagers this week and to have some time just to, to get to know each other. And, of course, uh, in our uh, morning uh, devotion times and whatnot, we got to uh, uh, to discuss and talk about a number of things, and and uh, and I guess that uh, I'd like to share with you this evening 
just in a nutshell, if you would, the kind of things that uh, that we covered in the the reason, the course that it took, uh, and the Lord working in their lives as He did. If you'd like to open your Bibles, first of all, to First John chapter four. First John chapter four, we began with our first devotion. Uh, of course, uh, being fearfully and wonderfully made to love. And in one John chapter four, beginning in in uh, verse seven. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. But he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And of course, we talked about this fact. Everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made to love. I mean, the truth is the Bible teaches us that God loved us before he ever created the first human being. God loved us so much that he had already laid the plans for our salvation. And of course, the focus of this first lesson was really upon understanding pure and simply what it really meant to be born again, what salvation was uh, was all about. We looked at a number of different things, and we discussed some things, uh, and according to uh, uh, to verse 9, uh, we ask ourselves the question, how did God show His love for us? He showed His love for us by giving us the greatest gift that He possibly could have given us. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And of course, that true love can only come from God. Of course, we talked about having that confidence in the day of judgment, how that, you know, God loves each and every one of us. Each one is made unique. And this was one of the, the real themes of the message is that we are all who God made us to be. And God loved each and every one of us. And because of His love towards us, we have the opportunity to reciprocate that love to Him. 
And we talked about this whole relationship of love. I mean, the truth is, is that uh, uh, that we would never uh, have any love towards God whatsoever if God did not make that possible for us, if he hadn't first shown us his love. And of course, as we look at those things and uh, we discuss those things, then I'd like to read another couple of passages because, of course, we were blessed more than many of the churches because um, each of our young people uh, can give testimony of themselves that they knew that they were saved. Uh, we did share testimonies sometimes in the morning, sometimes in our, in our, in our caravans, uh, about having this fact of knowing that there was nothing more important for them in all the world to know uh, than to know and to understand uh, just how much that God loved them uh, and what it meant to love. And, of course, as we read through this passage, you know, words come cheap. A lot of people talk about, I love God and I love God, but God gives us some pretty plain talk here that we can say that we love God all we want, but if it's not shown in our lives and how that we act towards the others around us, the Bible says we're a liar. <laughs> you know, we don't really love God if that love isn't being shown to those around us because God is love. And if we really love God and God is in us and he dwells within us, then it's only natural for us to love people, and even when they're not very lovable. Uh, it's the natural thing for us to, to love them. But of course, then we, we use that and, and we moved into uh, the next passage that we looked at is found in, in the book of Philippians chapter 2. And begin to talk about, you know, that God made us to love. He made us for him to love us, for us to love him, and for us to love each other. And in Philippians chapter 2, notice what the Word of God says beginning in verse 1. It said, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy fulfill you my joy, that you, might, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Let not every man look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant who was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, 
that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. We looked at a story about a man in the USA by the name of James Bain. In the winter of 2009, that was less than a, a year ago, um, James Bain was 54 years old. He'd been convicted as a sex offender when he was 19 years old. And he'd spent all of his life since the time that he was 19 years old until the time that he was 54 behind bars in prison. After spending 35 years in prison, there was new DNA research that revealed that this man was completely innocent of what he had been accused of, that he was completely innocent of the crimes that he had been spending all of that time for. And, of course, they declared him a free man. They congratulated him. And, of course, having been in prison since he was 19 years old at 54, he walked out of the courtroom for the first time free in all of those years. And, of course, related that, that just like James Bain, each and every one of us are under life sentence. Unlike Bain, though, we are guilty. He was proven innocent, but he, we are truly guilty. But God, on the other hand, has punished our sin through the death of Jesus on the cross as our substitute. And, of course, because of that, each and every one of us can be set free. We can be set free from that life sentence. We ask ourselves a few questions. Why do you think that we're told to have the same attitude of Christ? And of course, what we really focus a lot of this on is that we talked about love on Wednesday. We talked about the, the greatness of God's love towards us and that choice that we have in being able to truly love Him in return. But of course, when we love someone, then we're going to show it. If that love is truly coming from the heart, then we naturally want to do things to please that one that we love. We don't want to do things that is going to make them unhappy, that is going to hurt them, that is going to bring harm to them. So therefore, if we were fearfully and wonderfully made to love, we find in the verses that we've already read that we were also fearfully and wonderfully made to live. God wants to give each and every one of us that eternal life. And then once He gives us that life, to live our lives for Him. Our lives can really count for something. You know, sadly, most people, we know, most people, all of those that are lost, and a great number of the Christians in this world spend their lives living for all of the wrong things never truly accomplishing that which God wants to accomplish through them. And of course, this is much what we've been looking at in our series on the importance, the absolute necessity. If our life is to truly be fulfilled and to truly count for something, then we must have God in control of our lives. We've been talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit and the, and the importance of that. 
And that's part of the things we talked about here. You know, why are we told to have the same attitude of Christ? How can we develop a Christ-like attitude within ourselves? Because that's really the lives that we should be living and portraying Christ through our lives. And of course, as we look at these verses that we've just read here, we find that in verses 1 through 11, the focus is upon us having an attitude like Christ, thinking and acting about and towards things in the same way that Jesus Christ would. That's the kind of lives that we ought to be living. And of course, verses 12 and 18, hand in hand with that, talks about the importance of obedience if we're going to please Him. It talks about working out our own salvation. And of course, that doesn't mean that we can be saved any way that we want to. But of course, we find that when the Bible tells us to work out our own salvation, the very next verse of verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Once we're saved, once we're saved, there are great responsibilities that go with that, and we're each and every one responsible to take those responsibilities seriously. We gave ourselves a challenge. What are the areas of your life that you need to change to become more like Christ? And it was from this that, of course, the, the message on purity was brought on the importance of how fearfully and wonderfully that God has, has made us. Also, as we looked at these things and recognizing and realizing that just as God created us in the first place, that God loved us so much that He had already planned our salvation, God created us because He wanted to have that relationship with us. His love for us has already been proven, but would we love Him in return? God created us that we might be able to live and, and have fellowship with Him, that we might be able to live with Him for all of eternity. But as each one is created unique, of course, God also asks certain things of us. We talked about the importance when you respect that which God has done and the importance of living pure lives. The world has cheapened and taken away you know, some of the, the greatest beauty that God meant for there to be. And of course, sadly, so many times what our young people are hearing today, what they're hearing about the relationships between men and, and, and women and what they're supposed to be and what they should be, most of the time they're finding out from the world and they're finding out from, from their friends at school and they're finding out from uh, horrible things on the TV and all these different things. But God has given us such a, a wonderful pattern for our lives. The truth is, is that there's some things, you know, there's nothing that God won't forgive us for. Aren't you glad of that? <laughs> if we'll confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And of course, we try to reach out to those young people as well. The pastor that was doing the, the, the preaching that night and letting them know that, you know, if, if they had failed, they couldn't go back and undo and change. And, of course, that's something that you can never undo. But the truth is, if they didn't have Christ in their lives, they could start a new life. They could start a new life in Christ. And, of course, 
That's an opportunity that God has given to each and every one. And I'm just happy and proud that when challenged with the idea and the importance, the importance, you know, the simple truth is this. Young people throw away their purity because of selfishness, lust, to feed the flesh. You know, you'd be telling our young people wrong if you told them that there, there wasn't pleasure in some of these things that they could do. But the cost, it's such a short-lived thing. And the cost of it, things that can never, ever, ever be replaced, that can never be undone. Enjoy the beauty of what God meant for it to be. God meant for a man and a woman, for two to become one. And I don't mean to be crude, but the whole act of a relationship between a man and a woman is to make that reality, the two becoming one. And it's not meant to be anywhere else. Within the marriage bed, it's pure and it's great. But outside of that, it's not. And as these young people said, they come to realize when you take it out of the marriage bed, it becomes dirty, it becomes sinful, it becomes cheap. You know, it's one of the greatest treasures that God has given a man and a woman to share with each other, and yet you take it out of the way that God meant it to be, and that value is gone. By the same token, if you're a young person that still has that, don't let the devil rob you from it. But if you're a young person that can't go back and undo that, then you need to come to the Lord. You need to start life afresh. You need to start life anew. You can't redo the past. But you sure can sure make a commitment from where you are in your life right now, and God will honor that. And that's all that any of us can do. We also found in this being made to live in Philippians chapter 4, notice what the Word of God says to us there in verses 4 through 9. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful, or if you would be, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That was our challenge to all of us, young and old alike. A challenge to these young people. You know, we can we have choices in life. Where we're going to focus our attention, what we're going to think on, what we're going to allow into our heads, what we're going to give into when those temptations come along. We find what's important. So we're all fearfully and wonderfully made by God with who we are. But God made us to love. He's proved his love to us. He wants us to love him and to love each other. But he's made us to live. He wants us to live for eternity, which can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants those sins washed away. And he wants us to live lives that will not only be pleasing to him, 
but that will touch the people around us. He wants us to live lives that are pure and holy and godly that he can use for his glory. Then on the final day, we looked at the passage in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. We talked about the idea that we're made to love, we're made to live, but we're made to lay it down. In Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23, And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. You find that, again, I won't go into all the details with you tonight, but we looked at a story that took place in, in a church, uh, again, happened to be a church in the USA. But here's, uh, here's the words that the pastor wrote. The call of Christ is to not deny ourselves and to let go of our lives, to relinquish control of our lives, to surrender everything we are, everything that we do. Our direction, our safety, our security is no longer found in the things of this world. It is found in Christ. And that is a great risk when it comes to the things of this world. But in the end, it is not really risky at all because we are relinquishing control to the one who has supreme love for us, cares for us, has created us, knows what is best for us, and will lead us and guide us in what is best for us, not just now, but for all of eternity. This church basically committed together what they call the radical experience. And here's what it is. The radical experience made, was made up of five points. To start with, to pray for the entire world. To spend time praying for the world. They took the book, which is actually the same book that our mission organization used to use for that same person, uh, purpose called Operation World. And if you've ever seen Operation World, all it is is a compilation of all the different uh, countries and tribes of people all over the world that's known. And in there, taking all the information that's gathered, being able to show what percentage of them are Christian and non-Christian and what percentage of these other religions and all this, just so that you can take a country and know what the needs are and know how many Christians are there and know how many of the, the other religions and to be able to pray for them effectively. So they decided that they were going to get serious about praying for the entire world. Secondly, to read their entire Bible in one year. How many Christians have had that intention but never accomplished it? And yet the Word of God is so important to us. And you stop and look at it. So many times a person can sit down with a, a novel that will never affect or change their lives in any way. And many of those novels are as thick as what our Bibles are. <laughs> 
And yet people will take and they'll read them and read them and read them and read them and finish them off. And yet, how much time does God's Word have? If this is so important to us, then ought not we be willing to lay some things down in our lives in order to make time for Him to read His Word? Thirdly, to use the majority of their expendable income to bless others who are in need. It's pretty radical. To take most of the money that they had and genuinely purpose to give it away to those that needed it more. Fourthly, to spend one week in another country for the sake of the gospel. We plan a week's holiday, whether we're going to go to the beach or we're going to go to the mountains or we're going to do these other things. They simply said, okay, at least one week. I'm going to take a week of that quote-unquote holiday and I'm going to go somewhere else in the world and I'm going to do something for the sake of the gospel. And fifthly, that each one of them was going to seek to lead another person to Christ that helped them to grow in the gospel. You see, we ought to be trying to win everybody we can to Christ. But what difference would it make? I mean, stop and think about it a moment. If everybody in our church purposed to go and lead at least one person to Christ and then to disciple them in the things of the Lord, even one person over the next year, what would happen to our church in one year's time? What would happen in two years' time if all of those purposed to win at least one person to Christ and to spend that time discipling them and grounding them in the things of God? What would happen the third year and the fourth year? The truth is, is that when you really stop and look at it, you look at how many of us there are, how many Christians in this world who are not accomplishing very much for the cause of Christ. And so they call this the radical experience because they were going to get serious and these simple things they were going to commit themselves to do. And of course, as we look at this passage, what does it mean by taking up a cross daily? We talked about that, what it meant for the Lord Jesus Christ to take up his cross, some of the crosses that we might have to take up. What did that cross symbolize in the Lord Jesus Christ's day? It wasn't just the pain. Yes, it was, it was the most painful death that they could give a human being. It was designed that way. You know, today the simple fact is even if they choose to take someone's life, then everybody wants to do it at least in the most humane way possible. But this Roman way of crucifixion was designed to inflict as much pain as possible. But not only that. It was designed to humiliate that person as much as they could possibly be humiliated as they hung out there, stripped of their garments upon that cross before everybody to go by. Jesus Christ was hung as a common criminal. The worst death that anybody could die in his day, the most humiliating death, the lowest death. We find that, what does it mean for us? Are we really willing to lay things down? Are we really willing to follow Christ where he's gone? Are we willing to take up our cross daily in order to make a difference in this world? We ask ourselves, how is denying oneself and taking up one's cross related? The simple fact is, is that many times, many times there are things, there are things that we need to lay down 
There are things that we need to just remove from our lives in order to be able to serve God more effectively. Problem is, instead of laying it down too many times, we're holding on to things in this world that rather than meaning anything in eternity, it may be costing someone eternity. I still find that verse amazing, and I don't even claim to fully understand all that it means in Ezekiel when he's talking about the watchmen there. And he's talking about those watchmen not doing their duty. And he talks about the blood being required on their hands. So I don't know what all that means to us. But I believe there's a responsibility that will be taken when we allow the things in this world to get in the way of us witnessing to others that they might come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you think Jesus would say that gaining the whole world is of no value if one loses their own soul? How can you deny yourself to take up your cross? And of course the truth is, is that on the Thursday night in this meeting, many of these things were made very, very plain and simple in the message that was brought to them. I believe that God spoke to many of their hearts. And you know, the thing is that I spoke to them honestly afterwards. I said, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or if you're retired. It doesn't matter where that you are in this age spectrum that God gives us upon this earth. He asked the same thing of all of us. He expects the same thing of all of us. And the truth is, is that we can't lay our plans because of what others around us are doing. We were fearfully and wonderfully made, each one. And God can use you no matter who you are, no matter where you came from. We saw God do some miraculous things in the lives of a lot of those young people. We saw one young lady that was up on the stage that accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. She was there and, and she had come from, from such an abusive, tormented background that her life had been, and she had the scars not where she had cut her own wrist, but where she had had a boyfriend that had slit her wrist for her so that she could die. And you know that it was only on the Friday before that camp was leaving on Monday that one of the pastor's wives happened to think of this young lady and all of her troubled life, and that, you know, I guess not been able to really get her in church and things like that, and they called her and invited her to go to the camp. God had a plan for her. When she got there, realized how much that God loved her, and that God had fearfully and wonderfully made her, that she mattered to him. You know, God changed her life, and I trust and pray that, that she'll just go from strength to strength. But the truth is, is that each and every one of us have to come to that point of realizing, you know, it's just like we talked about the lady that gave her life to the Lord at the nursing home last night. Many of these people there, they've, they've been in churches. They've heard all about Jesus dying on a cross and all of this but they've never come to recognize and realize that he did it personally for them, that they personally must accept it, that it's not just some general blanket thing out there. 
we find that as Christians, we recognize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made to love. We're made for God to love us and for us to love him and for us to love one another. We're made to live, but not to live lives that don't matter, not to live sinful lives that will reap its own payment in the end. We were made to live pure lives, holy lives, to live forever. We were made to live our lives for the Lord. We were made to lay it down, to be willing to sacrifice of ourselves and the things that we have, to take up our cross daily, to follow Him. You know, there's two sides to that. Whatever it is in your life, as we saw in that video, Whatever it is, whatever problems or troubles or difficulties that you're facing, you can bring it to the cross and lay it down. Jesus is ready and waiting. Christians, by the same token, there's some things that we need to be willing to lay down if we're truly going to follow his example and let him use us. I'm glad that through all of this, and I've not even begun to touch on what was covered in those messages but these are the thoughts that we've looked at this past week and that the Lord has used to challenge our young people. And I hope that you can grasp and understand just a little bit more of that this evening. And you've heard their testimonies today. And I want to challenge you and encourage you as a church, rather than getting frustrated when they make a mistake next time, pray for them, encourage them, spill them up. They've recognized their need to be a greater witness to their friends at school. They've realized their need. Different ones. Several of these girls have come up and told me about the others at school that they need to be a witness to because they don't know. You know, some of them are religious, but most of them don't know Jesus. Dwayne, I think it was, that was talking to me about all the people in this neighborhood right around here. But they don't know Jesus. But he wants to be a greater light in this neighborhood. The truth is, you better believe, and they've been warned that <laughs> the devil's going to be there to discourage them. The devil's going to be there to try to get them to pick up all these things that they're wanting to lay down and serve the Lord. Don't take these things lightly. You know that everybody that's ever been used of God anywhere in the world there was a point, there was a day, there was somewhere in their life when they laid it down. They laid down self, and they were serious about following the Lord. No matter how many times you've messed up before, the truth is God spoke to them now, and they've been challenged to that, and we all ought to be challenged by it. We ought to be doing everything that we possibly can to encourage them, to be able to be the witnesses that they want to be. It's a great thing to want to do it. But it's a tough job out there in those schools, and it's a tough job out there on those streets. And they're going to face a lot of discouragements. We need to build them up. We need to encourage them. We need to help them be able to do what the Lord has shown them that needs to be done. And that's a great responsibility that we have church. That's what I'm going to ask us to do tonight.
just before that we sing our closing hymn. I'm going to ask these young people that are here, and of course, Maurice has already had to, to go off for her project and whatnot. Scott's not here. But I'm going to ask them, I'm going to ask any others, young people here tonight that truly want the Lord to take their lives and use them. I'm going to ask them to come and stand right here together, right in front of the church. They've opened their hearts to you today. You know, the simple fact is we can ignore it. We can sit back and say, oh, we'll see if anything comes of it. We can get behind them and we can pray for them and we can encourage them. So I'm going to ask them to come this evening. I'm going to ask you that are here then to come and let us join around them. And let's pray for them tonight. Let's pray that God would help them. God has spoken to them. They've heard God's voice. They've responded to that voice. But now's when it's going to get tough. Now's when it's going to get hard. And I want us to be able to pray for them, that God will be with them, that God will use them, that God will use them. Well, I said, you know, I said, don't worry about what the other young people are doing. Don't even worry about what the other old people are doing. You go for God. Do what God wants you to do. Let's all try to be an encouragement one to another. And you know what usually happens when a fire starts in one place? It spreads. It spreads. I hope they're genuine and serious about getting out on the streets and doing the things they can to get other young people saved. And I want to support them in doing that. I want us as a church, I want us to be serious about those same things. So young people, you come on, you come down here, and I'm going to ask all you others, everybody that's serious about these commitments that they've made as they stand before you, and I'm going to ask you as a church, those of you that will genuinely pray for them, I'm going to ask you to begin by coming down here joining with me right now, if you will. If you'll genuinely make it a point in your life to lift these young people up in prayer and to pray for them, that God can take these commitments that they've made in their lives, that he can go and pray that the same thing, you know, will happen in the, in, in the lives of all of our young people and all of our old people alike, that these commitments will be genuine. Mm -hmm.